Welcome to Education, Leadership, and Beyond, Surviving and Thriving. My name is Andrew Murata, host of the show, and it is show number 195. Welcome aboard March 1st, 2022. Happy to be live here on Facebook. Proud member of the Education Podcast Network, as well as Voice Ed Radio Canada, or wherever you are listening to your podcast or in this case, watching it. It's nice to be live. That presents a different aspect of the show. So if you are watching, uh, jump on, leave us a comment, leave us a question. We are going to have a blast today. We are going to meet Greg Donovan from um, Arizona, Phoenix, Arizona area. He's a superintendent. He is a cool dude. He has got an awesome beard. He's got 10 classic cars. Well, they're not all classic, as you say, but we're going to ask him about all of that and more. Uh, in the world of, of tech education and, and all the great things he's doing in Arizona. Uh, he's got a lifetime of education to share with us. So I'm excited to meet Greg and, and talk with him. Let's get rolling today. I do want to give a shout out to today's sponsor. And that uh, sponsor is the World Education Summit. We're talking to somebody from Arizona, right? It feels like it's a world away from the New York area here. Uh, but the World Education Summit is happening March 21st to the 24th. I am proud to be part of that and have my surviving and thriving session in there for school leaders. And uh, check out the website. It's scrolling uh, below, worldedsummit.com. And uh, it's educators literally from around the globe. Uh, it's going to be a great event. So please check them out. World Education Summit uh, here this March. And I am excited to be part of it the school leader surviving and thriving. Um, let's get rolling. Today's uh, topic here, moments, right? I want to open with today's topic called moments. I watched uh, Rocket Man, which is the story of Elton John. What a, what a cool movie. I, I, you know, I knew he was an eccentric guy, different type of guy. I did not know the background, uh, the history of abuse, the history of uh, drug and alcohol abuse and he really was uh, powerful. But there were some scenes in the movies when he would get handed lyrics and it kind of like, whoa, it slowed down, right? And like when he got those lyrics, bam, it kind of changed the course of his life. When he had his first big gig, right, out in Los Angeles, bam, it changed his life. There were moments when he first tried drugs, changed his life. And they slowed down the tape when that happened. They slowed down the movie. And it kind of went in slow motion, kind of making everyone feel like, whoa, this is a, a moment here. And in as educators, as <clears throat> school leaders, wherever your role is in education, that happens all the time, right? We can impact people's lives. We can have meaningful conversations and meaningful moments with staff, teachers, uh, all those we serve. Does it slow down around us that we know that this was a life-changing moment that happened? Not all the time, but if you're looking for it, it does happen. And I think it's important that we look for those moments in our lives um, and, and that we recognize them. Speaking of moments in our lives and speaking of uh, uh, things that happen, he, he's had a lifetime of moments in his life as an educator. Let's bring him in the show. Uh, welcome, Greg Donovan, superintendent. West Mech Technical School, Phoenix, Arizona. Thank you. It's great to be here. And it, we now that we're now that we're tight, Greg. It's West Mech, right? You, is that how we say it? 
That is exactly how we say it, West Mech. Now, let me tell you what that stands for, though, because all of education is notorious for acronyms. It actually stands for Western Maricopa Education Center. Maricopa is our county. The greater metropolitan Phoenix is in Maricopa County, and we serve the entire western portion of the county, Western Maricopa, and then we're an education center. And you're the boss of it all. You're the superintendent. Uh, Greg, I want to start with the, uh, uh, the opening of your website, right? Preparing for the show. There you are. You got the orange suit. You got the nice car, big smile. And it says here, I love it. Our district isn't about one pathway to success. It is about opening doors for young people and putting them to work. Let's start there, Greg. That's your opening message as superintendent. Tell me about that mindset and that concept uh, with your district and the work you're doing. Well, we are a career and technical education district. So our whole purpose is to help people find their career pathway, to help them prepare to get into the workforce. What does every young person want to do as soon as they're old enough? I want to get a job so I got some money in my pocket. I want to buy a car or whatever it is they're chasing. You can't do that if you don't have any skills. How do you become a productive and responsible citizen in your community? How do we support our community, state, and country? And as we now hear routinely, this global economy, I have to have skills. I have to have something that somebody's willing to pay me for. So connecting our educational structure to career type opportunities only makes sense. Somewhere along the pathway 50, 60 years ago, we went away from that. If you look at the history of education and you look at the history of public education, early on it very much was preparing for the industrial workforce. It was preparing people for the rudimentary reading, writing, arithmetic, the things they needed to learn to become productive citizens, the things that everybody needed. But along the way, it became sort of, well, to be successful, you need to go to college. And we just completely moved the K-12 system to one and only one outcome. Make sure we give them the academics required to meet the state university entrance requirements so they can go to college and be successful. No discussion about career, no discussion about to do. It's my favorite question. Ask all high school seniors that say they're going to college, just, just use two words, to do, and most of them cannot answer you. Yeah. So we're here to change that. Get people ready for the workforce and not a singular job. Regretfully, there, there's some black clouds over career and technical education, formerly called vocational education. And why did we move away from the word vocational education? Some of our listeners out there will know, oh, yeah, I've heard of vocational education. Well, the dictionary definition of vocational education was any career or job not requiring any additional education. <laughs> All careers today require ongoing education. All careers today require technical improvements and you need to learn the new technology. I don't care what profession it is, things change and you have to relearn those skills. No one today, there is still this impression that we're training people to put the right front wheel on over at the Ford plant in Detroit. Yeah. And that's going to be their job for 40 years. Just not true. Greg, I, you know, these pathways and what you're talking about, how do you, 
how, where along the line they come in as a freshman how, how, when do they start to get to choose like hey wow i'm really into this or i want to go law enforcement i want to go nursing how how long far along that line do they get to start choosing that path well we hope and the goal would be in high school and historically high schools offered some types of classes starting in the ninth grade but the academic rigor has continued to increase that most students many students don't ever get there because they have so much academics when you walk in the door as an eighth grader when it's time to start getting ready to sign up for high school the first question every counselor asks the family is do you want your child to go to college and most parents are going to say well of course i want them prepared to go to college and they hand them a checklist and say here's the courses they need to take no discussion about careers no discussion about pathways but I think to simply answer your question for everybody involved today, really sophomore, junior, senior year, students should be taking classes that are of interest to them towards a career pathway. And I'm gonna keep using today the words career pathway. While we are preparing for specific jobs, our major goal is to prepare them for a pathway. Just last week, I had a mother on the phone, she was upset. Her son wanted to come to Westmec. We had a 30-minute discussion. Her son didn't want to go straight off to the state university. That's what mom and dad wanted. He wanted to come to Westmec. She was asking questions, inquiring, et cetera. We had a 30-minute discussion. At the end of the discussion, she said, I hear you, but I don't want my son labored to minimum wage jobs for 40 years. Yeah. Somewhere I lost in the conversation. See, she heard one thing and one thing only. One job, and that's what my son is going to be chained to for 40 years. No one enters the workforce expecting that their job will not change for 40 years. No mm -hmm. one. So we've got to break this cycle that if you go to college, the world is your oyster. If you go to a tech school or you go straight off to work for a while, you're chained to a job for the rest of your life. Not true. Not true. And, and, and Greg, it's great to hear such a voice removing that stigma about tech education, about vocational education. You've had some successes there. Clearly, you're passionate about it. Why don't you tell me some of the biggest successes that you've had at West Mac? Well, we're very, first of all, students are here because they want to be here. Oh, that's great. Not every parent is, is uh, doing cartwheels at the beginning. But like all things and as adults when we're in a career or job that we like your whole world is better our student attendance rate is between 96 and 100 percent wow we have parents call in saying you know their child's going to be out sick today and then they sort of softly say she doesn't want to stay home but i'm making her because she's sick wow wow that's our good. kids are that's here because they want to be here we, we have almost zero, zero failure rate. We haven't had a long-term suspension in three years. We have no graffiti. We have no vandalism. We haven't had a break-in in 15 years. Wow. There's ownership there on the kids' part. Exactly, because they're learning things. We have parent after parent after family member after family member say, what did you do to this child? They're on the honor roll. School was a fight for for 10 years, nine years, every day was a fight. He, she didn't want to go to school. Now they they can't wait to get here. 
Wow. And their, their scores go up across the board because suddenly math has a reason. Science has a reason. History has a reason. All of our technical skills are, are just bound in history and rules and government regulation. And students start learning this stuff going, wow, now I understand that government class I'm in. Mm. How did this happen? Why, if I'm interested in the automotive world, and then everybody assumes that all the students in our automotive technology program are going to be stuck turning wrenches for 40 years. You start talking to our students, we call them career trees. What is it you want to do? I want to be a design engineer in the automotive industry. I want to be a service writer. I want to own my own repair shop. This isn't about narrowing down. This is about opening the thought process of what's out there. Ask your child today or a niece or nephew or neighbor, or if you're an educator listening to this, start asking some of your students, what do the adults in your life do for a living? And most of them cannot tell you. Wow. <laughs> and then they'll tell you, oh, my dad's in construction. Yeah. What does he do? Uh, he's in construction. No, no. What does he do? Plumbing, electrical, you know, woodworking, uh, cement, concrete, steel, welding. Uh, uh, what, what does your grandpa do? What is, you know, what is your aunt? Do? Well, she works on computers. Well, what does she do? Well, she works on computers. <laughs> That's the favorite answer of kids today. My, my parents, my family, my grandma, whoever they live with, oh, they work on a computer. Are they a coder? Are they doing security? Are they in sales? Are they balancing somebody's books? What are they doing? Yeah. They don't have a clue. So how do we expect students to have a clue of what it is they think they might like to do? There was a time 100 years ago, you walked a kid around the town square. They saw the blacksmith. They saw the candle maker. They saw the grocery store. They saw you know everything there was, the livery stable. And then they got to the end of the town and you looked out and there was the farmer and the rancher. And child, what would you like to do? Yeah. Today, it, is, it just isn't that simple. We have to do a better job when you ask, well, how do they get to us? We need to be talking. Little kids will express, I want to be the old, I want to be a fireman. Well, why? Because they saw it somewhere. Yeah. A few years ago, we started starting, uh, all of our high schools started doing CSI programs, criminal scene investigations. Why? CSI was the most popular television show. Yeah, yeah. And we have law one. and order was so big, we had all kinds of people that wanted to become criminal lawyers. Greg, how, how about staffing? Are you getting teachers that are going right into that? Or are you getting people that worked in the trade who who retired or left and now to go on to teach it. Where, where, where's your teacher? Where are your teachers coming from? Well, I'm going to, I'm going to paint with a broad brush. Thanks. It's a great question for all of us out there. We have the same issues all of you have. Yeah. And bluntly, there's not a university in this country preparing people to teach what we need. I've never seen a university yet do a good job of preparing a masonry teacher. I, it, it just doesn't happen. I've never seen a university yet prepare a good IT security instructor. Uh, maybe there's a few things, uh, the very best nursing instructors, medical assisting instructors, pharmacy tech instructors, they're all coming out of the workforce. They're second, third career people. They're ex-military people. They're, they had a passion. 
Sadly, education, as we know, doesn't always pay what it should. So if they have a career behind them or they've saved a little money or they've sold a business, a lot of them come through the door and say, I've always wanted to try this. Yeah. And in essence, for every teacher that we hire out of industry because of their technical expertise, we have two people behind them, a, a career coach or a teacher coach and a curriculum specialist. They're not teachers. We spend... Mm -hmm. They're not going to be a, they're not going to be an A plus teacher for three to five years. Yeah, we're going to have to have that curriculum coach and that instructional specialist in that room, if not daily, almost daily for two or three years, helping them, just like in the professional industry, whatever you want to call. No one walks in and starts as the CEO. It just doesn't work that way. And this expectation that you could take four years of university classes like it used to be, walk into a classroom at 21 or 22, having come out of the College of Education and become a teacher just isn't where it's at today. And I don't care what subject it is from elementary, the generalization of all the subjects to middle school, to high school, to English, to algebra, to some of our programs. There has to be people behind you to sharpen those skills to be an effective classroom teacher. So true. And, it, and it's great to hear how you're supporting those people that came from the, 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 the workforce to teaching because they, they do need it. Greg, let's shift gears a little bit. Let's talk about you and, and your leadership. Again, I mentioned going to your website and there you are, right? You're, you're out in front, your picture, your quote. But then there's a lot of videos uh, of you also talking about the school, uh, welcoming people to open house. Tell me about being the face of the program and, and your leadership style, uh, kind of you know putting those videos out and pictures out. Tell me something about that. But well, thank you, thanks. It's a you know I, I appreciate when people ask that. I I want to say, it just kind of became me. I was a high school student. I got involved with these types of programs. I loved these types of programs. I took all of the woodworking, those kinds of skills, automotive. I took that. I actually wanted to attend a local vocational center to learn construction, uh, framing, and those things. I wanted to build houses. That was my dream, to learn how to build houses. I was denied that opportunity. I was told no, mm. that I needed to make something of myself. My parents didn't know how to fight the system. I couldn't fight the system. I was a, a sophomore in high school. I want to go off to this vocational center and the counselor sits there and goes, no, wow. you need to make something of yourself wow. and put me in a wood shop class and said, it's the same thing. Mm. Woodworking at that high school was no more construction home building at the vocational center than taking a uh, entry level painting class. You know, we learned a few rudimentary things about using some woodworking tools or something. Sure. But I did get involved with some teachers and I got into what was called a co-op class where part of your day was uh, your senior year was going out and getting a job. And they got me involved with an organization called VICA. Today it's called Skills USA. Some of our listeners may have heard of FBLA, DECA, the FFA, Skills USA, HOSA, FCCLA. Those are all acronyms for leadership programs to learn those leadership skills in career and technical programs. Probably the granddaddy of all this is the FFA, which used to stand for the Future Farmers of America, which was for kids in the agricultural programs. FBLA, Future Business Leaders of America. 
DECA, distributive education, which now is marketing and, and distribution and those things. We all recognize those names, but what does every employer say today? I know they've got the skills, but they don't show up on time. They can't talk to the customers. They can't carry on a conversation. They don't have any leadership skills. I, I had teachers that got me involved with that, and I liked it. Mm. So at some point, you have to stand up and say, if I'm not going to advocate for myself, who's going to advocate? We had a philanthropist that wanted this in the western portion of the greater Phoenix area. He was a businessman. He said, I can't get any workers. I want to grow the West Valley. I want to attract more businesses. What's the first question every business person asks me about moving their business to Phoenix? Let, let's use your example. There's companies that might like to relocate or open a division in Arizona. What are they going to ask? Can I get employees? Are there people ready to go to work for me that are going to help my business thrive? And at that point, the answer was no. We're not training anybody to do anything specific. They go to high school and, you know, I guess they go to college. General education. General education. <laughs> so, you know, why do I put on the orange shag? We started West Mech. My PR guy, Chris Cook, came up with using orange before orange was real popular because we wanted to stand out. I drive around America. I see things. I visit other places. But right here in Maricopa County, Arizona, I swear, everybody must have got free beige paint. Every school's painted beige. <laughs> if you want to be beige and fade into the background, then go ahead and be beige and fade in the background. Our buildings are close to the street. They're all orange. I want people to see them. I want them to see us. I want to stand out. If you don't stand out, people aren't going to say, what is this? Once you tell them what it is, they go, oh, that's interesting. Oh, I've heard of that. Oh, I've never heard of that. Oh, tell me more. Or maybe they say that's not for me. Here's a real quick example. Greg's Thai food. I open a restaurant and call it Greg's Thai food. I may serve the best burgers in town. But are they going to come for a burger? No, because it says Thai food. But if it says Greg's Family Restaurant, maybe they'll come check it out. I have a better chance of attracting them through the door by my name. I can advertise, but they'll still say, really? Hamburgers at a Thai food place? Eh, that just doesn't sound right. But good burgers at a family restaurant? Yeah. That's why we're called Maricopa Education Center and not a vocational center, not a technical center, not a technical vocational center. We're an education center. Come check us out. We've got something for you because ultimately every student Every citizen needs a career pathway. And I'm going to wear that orange coat till it's worn out. We're going to paint these buildings orange because I want people to drive by. I meet people now. They see me. They see the orange. And they go, oh, I know where that is. <laughs> I know that guy. You ask, them, you ask them where their closest elementary or regular high school is. They have no clue. But they know West Mech. But we have to stand out. So thank you for the compliment about our orange. We're loud. We're proud, and we don't paint anything beige. I love it, Greg, and I think it says a lot to your leadership. And they're lucky to have you at the helm, say, you know, saying that and putting that out there. You know, the concept of having the buildings close to the street so people can see it, all those little touches that you've put in there, uh, amazing. Greg, you, you talked about uh, those people guiding you towards those leadership courses in your high school and I know you heard my opening segment about moments, right? 
are there some defining moments in your life where they guided you to where you are now? Do you remember those things? Like you mentioned about the woodworking class as a ninth grader, the leadership class as a 12th grader. Were there some other examples of moments that, that guided you? Sure. I went off to what was called the VICA Skills USA now skills competition. I thought I had the world by the tail. It was live competition. There's 50, 60 guys competing in a carpentry contest. There's 50, 60 people competing in a masonry contest. Uh, there's all these people competing to be the best they can be. I thought I knew some stuff till I saw how much more other people knew. And, and literally, it's like, why would somebody hire me when look how much more these folks know? Yeah. And then, like so many people, I hadn't seen what I, you don't know what you don't know. I'm walking around this convention hall and there's 50 different competitions going on. And I didn't even know some of those things existed. Wow. But what really excited me is when I went to the general sessions as a student, you know, a student conference, student leadership, and you see the enthusiasm and you see people that are excited about what they're doing and you start looking around going, wow, that looks kind of interesting. But when you're in a room full of excited people, the excitement wears on. You know, and I, I could see adults that loved what they were doing. Wow. They loved what they were doing. And it's like, that's what I want to do. I wanted to, you know, and they were doing things that I was attracted to. See, I saw people building things that loved what they did. Sure, I'd had people say to me when I said, I want to learn how to build houses. It was like, really? So you want to swing a hammer for a living? Well, you know, at that point, when you're 15, 16, 17, you don't, what does that really mean? Sure. You know, you haven't, you don't have 20 years of work behind you. But again, that whole thought process or being put down that I was going to do one job for the rest of my life, quote, swinging a hammer. When a young person comes through the family door and says, I'm thinking about joining the military, does anybody ever say, well, I sure hope you don't retire as a buck private. That's not the conversation at all, because yeah. the expectation is you go into the military and you start working your way up the ladder. If you make it a career, there's no expectation that you're coming out as a first level you know, military person. You're going to be advanced. But yet somehow in career and technical education, we've gotten this label that we're, we're going to chain the person to an entry level job for their entire career. These conversations just don't make sense. But I was loud. I, I just loved what I was doing. And I went into teaching. I, I just thought, here's uh, some of my teachers were so enthusiastic. And I got to be honest, they made the job look fun. And they also looked like they had, we had some family members that were teachers. And they just always were having fun and excited. And my dad was in the retail world and he had to work every holiday. He had to work every Saturday. And all of my teacher relatives were off on the weekends and holidays. Yeah. So you start going, and people say, well, you're not going to make any money. Well, they had a house, they had a car, we had a house, and we had a car. Had a car. I, I couldn't see any difference. So away yeah. I went. Yeah. And here I am, 42 years later. Well, and you're, bring, and year. you're bringing the same passion. You could tell you made the right choice because you're passionate about it. You're, you're, you know, and you have that energy. And, and good for you for noticing that in that moment, wow, this is something that I want to do. Uh, something else you're into, another passion, and we shared a little bit, uh, Greg, you're into cars. You have a, a couple, 
Uh, tell me about that passion of cars and why do you chase it and, and what do you do with that passion? Well, I, I don't know why, but when I, my age and everything, the hot car when I turned 16 was a 57 Chevy. And uh, I'd saved a little money. I'd been working and I, I had a paper route. And I mowed yards. I did all kinds of things. And uh, I actually chased a lady down at an intersection who was driving a 57 and said, are you interested in selling it? And she said, yeah. And I bought it from her. <laughs> so I, I just loved it. It was a 57 Chevy. And my love for, you know, at that point, I wouldn't have called it classic per se, but older cars. I just like cars. My dad wasn't into cars at all. Nothing. Hmm. But I just liked it. There was My dad only had one rule. He didn't care what I did with my cars, but I could only have one car at a time. So I guess part of it became when I got to be an adult and then I got up in my uh, career a little bit that I could afford to do some things and buy and sell. And I, I just got carried away, I guess, proving <laughs> that I could I could buy all the cars I wanted because now it's my house and my driveway and all those things. So I've ended up, I still have a 57 Chevy all these years later, a 69 Mustang, a 70 Camaro, uh, 83 El Camino, a 78 Ford truck, a 93 GMC pickup truck. I have uh, one of those late model Thunderbirds, a 2003 you know, Ford Thunderbird, yeah. retro bird, yeah. uh, Dodge Magnum. Oh, oh, I got a 94 Caprice station wagon, one of those great big jobs from the 90s, the last of the great big giant station wagons. I love driving that. It's like driving the living room couch. <laughs> But again, it goes back to cars and the technology and learning how cars work. And again, almost there, I've got three generations of cars. Yeah. They all are different technologically. I love that stuff. I love to understand. I got fuel injected cars, carbureted cars, automatic transmissions, non-auto, you know, it's just all different. What and do you think of all this new stuff, uh, Tesla and all the new electric cars? What are your thoughts there? Well, it's growing on me. It's growing on me. We got to accept it. It just like when we went from carburetors to fuel injection and those things. It is, it is the future. But yeah. I guess my disappointment is too many cars look alike today. And I know that's aerodynamics and all the things we got to do. But you know that the, they're just not making cars that go down the road and everybody turns their head and goes, "Wow." <laughs> you know, I don't know if you know the term, and I, I won't go on, but. The term, you know, boy, that's a doozy. Well, that came from the fact when people used to go, a Duesenberg went down the road, people would turn and go, there's a doozy. Oh, wow. Or that's a no, doozy. I didn't know that. That's wow. a Duesenberg. And that's they're, they're a classic automobile that to this day turns people's heads. So Tesla's got some interesting looks. Others are coming out with some interesting looks. But, you know, the electric vehicles are changing and growing. If you go all the way back to the beginning of the automobile, they were very rudimentary. They weren't very good. So some of these early electric vehicles that have had a little bit of a rough edge, but already you're reading where we're going to be by 24, 25. It's pretty cool. Yeah. It, yeah, it is our cool. future. Awesome. Uh, Greg, 42 years you've mentioned you've been doing this a while, and here you come on, and, and what a passion. How do you continue to sharpen your saw? How do you continue to, to have that edge to motivate people, to inspire people? Well, I love to say I don't hire any weak need people. I'd rather apologize for somebody that was charging forward than have them cower in the corner and say, I didn't mm. know what to do. Mm. We have got to accept that everything is moving and changing all the time. People often say to me, Greg, how's it going? And my usual response is not fast enough. 
we're moving. You got to keep moving. You stop moving. You're not, you're not gaining anything. One of the things I have to accept with myself is I'm, I'm getting old. My younger employees have all kinds of great ideas. They're the comers. They're going to make this happen. They're seeing the future. They got new ideas, kind of like understanding electric cars. They want to get more into it than I do because it's their future. They're going to live it. You got to have a good team. I don't know all this. I, I, I don't believe my ego. I let people do what I've asked them to do. I share my ideas, but here's now how are we going to get there? We get around the table. I've been accused often of asking for too much input. Go ahead, accuse me for asking for too much input, getting too many people around the table. I don't hesitate to make decisions, but sometimes taking a little time for a decision is a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. Career and technical education is a growing process. Our country is changing. Public education is changing. The pandemic has changed a lot of things. I was, an, I was an absolute stalwart that you could not teach career and tech on the computer. I don't want somebody doing a brake job on my car that's never done it with their hands. They just learned how to do it on a laptop sitting at the kitchen table. I don't want that. But what we found out during the pandemic is there are a lot of things we can teach this way. And so can we speed the process up? Can we have some students at home? We can involve more students in these programs by certain days of the week. Certain teachers are working with students online while certain programs are in the lab getting the hands-on portion, increasing the number of students we can have in programs. Mm -hmm. Make better efficiency of the facilities to the taxpayer and everything else that we have, that's going to open up more opportunities. So see, I even learned and accepted that we had a quantum shift in how we can deliver what we do. But it was sort of forced on me like it was forced on a lot of people because sure. I was a stalwart. Because <clears throat> people go, are you going to go online? No, no, we're not. We can't. Do you want a phlebotomist that has never actually stuck a needle to learn how to draw blood? <laughs> I can manipulate the needle on the screen all day long and stick it right in the vein and do perfect. But that's not the same as doing 150 live sticks, which is what's required to become a phlebotomist. People's veins are different. Some are better than others. You know, all those things that you do. So we've got to change what we're doing, but we have to understand how it impacts career education. Awesome stuff here, Greg. I, I love your passion. Um, Greg, we're going to get to rapid fire here. I loved your answer. With, how's it going? Not fast enough. Well, these are going to be some fast uh, questions and fast answers. But before that, was there anything else uh, that you wanted me to ask that I didn't ask that you wanted to talk about? I would just say I hope to all the educators that are listening out there, to all the folks that are listening out there, you start to say, why aren't we having more conversations about career pathways? Where are we going with the education? There has to be, I, I use this analogy, would you get in your car, put it in drive, and not hold on to the steering wheel and press down on the gas? Mm. No. So why do we go to school and even enroll people into universities with no direction, i.e. they're undeclared? <laughs> I hear it's at all, oh, they'll figure it out. And what happens? 
typically they crash, just yeah. like not holding on to the steering wheel. Yeah. We have got to change the conversation in America that we have point and purpose to our education. You can change that point and purpose all the time, just like you change directions in your car. But you got to know where you're going. I love it. I love it. I love your passion for it. And, and it does make you think about what we are doing in the general education world, as we called it. But uh, really made me think here, Greg, and, and I appreciate your passion. Um, rapid fire. Okay, here we go. These are quick questions with quick answers. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's do it. Last book you read. Um, it was a murder mystery by Corbin's the last name. I think it's Harlan Corbin murder mystery. They're not brand new. I discovered one of them at a used paperback store. I went out and found the whole series of them. I love murder mysteries. There you go. Last movie you saw. Oh, it's been a long time. I can't even tell you. I, I just haven't watched a movie for two or three years. You're driving that car. I'm sure you watched Ford versus Ferrari being a car guy. No. Ah, if, as a car guy, you got to watch that. i got to watch it. There's a and lot I would, of I want to watch. I would recommend you watch that Elton John movie uh, talking about those moments. Very, very uh, passion there. How about traveling? We talked about, uh, you know, the Phoenix area for a little bit. Where's your favorite place to travel? Well, just in December, I took a cruise down in the Western Caribbean. Mm. I've been down in the Caribbean three or four times. In May, I'm taking a cruise up into Alaska. I've oh, wanted wow. to do that for a long time. I'm going to take a little week long up into Alaska at the spring there. Everybody says that's a good time to go. And uh, one of the places I really want to do is a Panama cruise, oh, Panama wow. Canal. So I think cruising is a great way to see places. As an example, in the last one, uh, down in the Western Caribbean, I think it's a great taste. We stopped at a place called Roatan in Honduras, and someday I want to go back there and spend you know a week or so mm. and really see more of that location. So you can't get so in depth on every cruise, but you sure can get a taste of places that you might like to go back and see. I like it. I just wrote that down. Roatan, Honduras. Uh, what's a journal or a blog you subscribe to? I don't. You're not into that. He's putting the orange suit on and getting in the car. <laughs> What's your favorite stress reliever? I love working around my yard. I have, uh, you're going to chuckle, I have three shops at my house. I have a wood shop, kind of a general shop, and then a place where I keep several of my cars. I, I love to be out in my shops. I love to do yard work. I love to be outside. I like a good walk around the neighborhood, uh, those kinds of things. And, and ultimate would be... Uh, a good bicycle ride along the beach. Oh, beautiful. I'm with you on that. You got grass there? Can you have grass or is it all like the rock? Oh, there's there's some of us that still have grass. Like all this, as this water things get more and more critical, uh, there's more and more incentive not to have much grass. I, I used to have more grass, uh, but I still have some grass, yeah. Because you ha it has to have a sprinkler. You can't have it without a sprinkler system, right? Oh, no. You have to have a sprinkler system. Wow. It, it runs six days a week. That's incredible. Wow. Um, Greg, you shared a lot of passions, things that that, that bring you up here and that, that you feel strongly about. What's a pet peeve of yours or something that gets under your skin? Well, the complete misunderstanding today of what I feel is this effort in America that somehow public education is all wrong. That somehow we are just doing everyone a disservice in public education. I, I don't understand what's happened here. We've gone off the rail across this country. 
and it doesn't make any sense to me. Most of the people in this country receive the education they got through public education. That's true. 99% of our country is literate. They got that skill through education, whether it be private, public, or whatever, however they got it, homeschooled. How come we're beating up so badly on education across this country in the last couple, three years? That, that's just a P and, and again, this gross misunderstanding of what career and technical is. And then just as a little side pet peeve, we have entirely too many TV commercials. <laughs> Especially during those Cardinal games. On 8 a.m. on Saturday morning, I feel, fill in the blank. Feel good. It's a chance to reflect, maybe do a few of those things I want. We have an occasional activity. This Saturday, we got a school activity going, but but really just 8 a.m. on Saturday, feel good about the week that's gone. Every week will give you a challenge, and how are we going to tackle that next week? I love your attitude. Best purchase under $100 that has had a great impact on your life. Oh, wow. I, I, I collect a lot of different things. I'm an accumulator of stuff. I like soda pop memorabilia. I like uh, car advertising kind of stuff. Right this second, I can't think of something very specific, but you know what? I have quite a few things that I have hanging in my shop, different signs and stuff that just really make me smile because it harkens back to another time. I love it. What's a, what's a great uh, Southwestern dish that you're a fan of? Well, I like all types of Mexican food. And uh, I just, uh, good, a good cheese enchilada is always good. I see your sign behind you. I love tacos. <laughs> yeah. Who's your team out there? We talked a little Diamondbacks, a little Cardinal, Arizona State, Arizona. Who, who's your team? Well, the last couple of years, it's really been exciting with the Phoenix Suns. Yeah, it's yeah. been fun to see the Suns do well the last couple of years because we had some pretty dry years there. Um, so that's been pretty exciting. I, I generally just like all all of our teams, and uh, as I love like the Super Bowl this year, I just love a good game. I especially like March Madness. I think college basketball is just super. I think March Madness is super. I love college basketball because those young guys, they play to the bitter end, and so do the women. Watching college women is great too. They yeah. play, they play, they play hard. It's fun. I, I like college, both men's and women's basketball. But right now, from a Phoenix or an Arizona team, I'd say the Phoenix Suns. The Suns, yeah. Chris Paul landed out there, right? He's, yeah, he's doing yeah. great. He's on the yeah. injured list right now, regretfully. Yeah. But uh, yeah. we're, we're, we're struggling a little bit without him because he's the star for sure. And, and in college, though, is it Arizona, Arizona State? Who's your team out there? Well, ironically, I went to Northern Arizona University, so I get to sit in the middle of all this conflict between ASU and U of A. But if you're going to put a, a force me into a statement, ASU. Okay. And Northern Arizona, though, they have a good team, right? They've, they've been around, right? Well, they, they're good, but they're a whole – they're a, a class two division. They're, okay. They're, they're a yeah. whole different world. They're the skyline division. You know, they're, they're what college sports was probably meant to be. Young people that are using those scholarships as an opportunity to get a good education and have some fun, fun playing a sport while they're in college. Uh, you know, most of it, they do really well in training swimmers and some other things mm. up there at NAU. But it's 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 not an athletic school like an AS, you know, Pac-10 or something like that. I guess okay. it's Pac-12 now, excuse me. Sure. Uh, something about Greg Donovan that people do not know about. Oh, what did I say recently? Somebody asked me that question. Well, I kind of just spilled the beans on that. I'm an accumulator. I love swap meets. 
I like walking around looking at other people's junk. <laughs> you want? Do you want? I'm sure you watch the bidding show with the storage wars, right? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah I like all that stuff. Because I'm always looking for that next collectible, that next antique or that soda pop thing or something that somebody's getting rid of. You go, wow, that's cool. Yeah, and you can hang it in your shop. Greg, if people want to learn more about you, what would be the best way they could get in touch with you? Well, they can reach us through uh, through our website there at www.west-mec.org. Certainly, we have ways of reaching me through that. Mine would just be Greg dot donovan you see it there on the screen just put a dot there at west dash or hyphen mec dot org would love to chat with anybody out there that would like more information and as i love to say we are a public institution everything we have is public domain i love it uh we got panther pride up here guys leave us a question or comment uh for greg even after the show they uh they pop up there greg why don't you end us with a a, a quote here well, I hope that everyone thinks about this quote, and there is no, I, have, I hate that I even have to say this. Former President John F. Kennedy, our progress as a nation can be no swifter than our progress in education. Mm. I think that is an extremely deep saying. If you think about it, it is absolutely true. No nation on earth can progress or be a world leader without a sound and stellar educational system. The first thing every dictator, every tyrant, every third world country wants to do is destroy their education system, including completely denying education to females and those kinds of things. And then I'll close with one more, if you'll let me, former broadcaster and author, Tom Brokaw. There is a place in America to take a stand. That stand is in public education. For it is in public education that the American dream is born. And with that, I thank you. Wow. Greg Donovan, uh, everyone. Greg, I love the energy, what you brought today. And if there was a face for uh, uh, you know, West Tech, you're the one. Uh, way to go. Uh, this was fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. All right. We're going to sign off here on Education, Leadership, and Beyond, show number 195. Uh, Greg and all those uh, watching, I hope you'll take a look at the, the World Education Summit, right? Greg talked about public education. Well, now we're going worldwide. Again, those dates are March 21st uh, to March 24th. Uh, check out the great work that Greg is doing. He gave you the website there, uh, Wes Mech. I love it. Uh, Greg, nice to talk to you. Stay on the line a second, Greg. Signing off here, everyone. I'm at Andrew Murata 21 on Twitter. Uh, don't hesitate to reach out to me if I could help you in any way. I feel inspired, and I hope uh, you do as well. Signing off, show number 195.